Peyton Manning versus Tom Brady, Coke versus Pepsi, Captain America versus Iron Man, Batman versus Superman. So many great head-to-head battles, but the one that we're focusing on today is Jaden Rashada versus Arch Manning, only here on Locked On Gators. You are Locked On Gators, your daily podcast on the Florida Gators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Locked On Gators, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Locked On Gators your first listen of the day. We are available daily and free wherever you listen to the podcast. Happy Wednesday. I'm Brandon Olson. Find me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon. Find my written work with Whole Nine Sports and GiantsCountryVestSide.com. And now it's time to talk Jaden Rashada versus Arch Manning. Joining me for today's episode of Locked On Gators is John Garcia, Sports Illustrated's Director of Football Recruiting and Locked On's Recruiting Insider. And like I've been doing for the past few days now and feels like the past couple weeks, we're talking about Jaden Rashada. Uh, What is the latest on Jaden Rashada? What's your feel for him just a few days away from his commitment now? Well, it's it's right there, Brandon. You know, the the Saturday commitment, June 18th, is probably going to happen but there there was a sense talking to him out in las vegas that that he's a little overwhelmed and and who could blame him right last week he took three sec official visits back to back to back and before i asked him about any schools i'm like yo how many plane rides did you have to take to take these visits and he said 10 like he knew immediately because he you could tell he had been backlogging like okay this is how how many i've taken uh and this is is how much it's it's you know taking a toll on me but he also recommended it. He also said, look, I'm a recruit. I only get to do this once, uh, so I got to get him in while I can. So he is still planning on making that commitment on the 18th. It's not 100%. I would say it's it's still more likely than not. But he did admit that if he had to push it back, he might be able to take another visit or two if that's the case. I do think it's Miami, um, which hasn't gotten an official visit out of him yet. Of course, Florida was one of those three that he did take, uh, and he really lit up talking about the Gators. I mean, there's a reason why he takes the unofficial and then a week later is is back for the official visit. So he got much more um, intimate time with Billy Napier and company. His father accompanied him. His family accompanied them uh, to Gainesville for that second trip. Uh, And and there's a real strong sense that Florida is trending up in in this recruitment. There's no doubt that among – the later players, A&M, Florida, uh, et cetera, that, that Florida's done as good a job as, as anybody in terms of truly prioritizing uh, Rashada in, in their class of 2023. Uh, so conversely, there's a sense that, you know, maybe he is ready to leave the West Coast. He's certainly taken a bunch of visits to, to SEC country and ACC country technically, uh, and there's a sense that he really likes uh, that SEC culture uh, obviously, the uh, level of expectation, the spotlight, et cetera. This is a kid who wants to rise to it. So there is, is definitely an SEC feel to this recruitment. Of course, LSU, Ole Miss, there, there's some other SEC teams in this top seven. But the larger feel is, you know, the cows, the organs of the world could be on the outside looking in. So certainly that makes you feel better for Florida in particular and maybe Maybe most safely you feel better about Florida's chances given the two visits in a 10-day window or so. 
Uh, and then he did get that first impression with Texas A&M, did get that intimate time with Jimbo Fisher, uh, who, who sold him Jameis Winston. He sold him kind of his quarterback development. I mean, I think he's got four first-round quarterbacks under his resume, so that certainly resonated with Rashada. Um, but again, just one visit to Texas A&M, and, and he's a little overwhelmed. So there's a sense that that he could push it back. But even if he does push it back, I think Florida is squarely in the mix. I mean, you talk to three different people and you'll get three different answers, but Florida's becoming that overlapping option where no matter which coast you call a source on, no matter which person is tied to a certain school or a certain area, the Gators are always popping up in this Jaden Rashada conversation. You know, one group says he's going to stay in the state of Florida. It's either Florida or Miami. And others like, no, it's all SEC. It's Florida. It's A&M. And then there's some dark horses thereafter. So, Again, no matter where you look, there's a lot of Florida juice uh, in this recruitment. And right now you've got to feel pretty good if you're a Gators fan. Although, again, he didn't seem done with the process when when we spoke to him uh, over the weekend. So there's always that caveat to keep an eye on. Yeah, and we've been talking about Jaden Rashad and Arch Manning pretty much as the only two quarterbacks that Florida cares about in 2023's class. But where do you land on who is the better quarterback recruit? It really depends on how you look at it. You know, the larger body of work certainly, you know, leans towards Arch Manning, who started since he was a freshman down at Isidore Newman in New Orleans. Rashada's more of, of a mid, mid-career guy. You know, he went down to IMG. Then he came back to California during the pandemic and, and had to dig his heels in a little bit. So he's, you know, got less than maybe 20 starts under his belt at the high school level. So certainly Arch has more experience at this stage, both have strong arms. I think Rashada's release and motion is a little bit more fluid, a little bit more smooth. I, I take his deep ball over Arch Manning's deep ball. I think athletically, they're pretty similar. Arch is probably 25 pounds heavier. So I think he's a little bit more built for college football right out of the gate, but Rashada's taller. Uh, and, and again, he's lanky. He's got good uh, mobility and athleticism. Not that you're gonna design runs for either of these two, Uh, but both are plenty mobile in the modern game. So you get into the intricacies, right? The processing, uh, things like that. And again, I think that's where the experience of Arch Manning uh, begins to dominate the conversation. But Rashad has made big progress, big leaps in the last 18 months or so. I think his ball placement in particular could be the best in the entire country, you know, not just uh, against Arch Manning, but the Nico Iamaliabas of the world, the Malachi Nelsons of the world, the Dante Moores of the world. Rashada's ball placement, putting it in the bucket, intermediate to deep levels, is as good as it gets. I, t- I tweeted out a clip that I know you saw about him dropping it, just as pretty of a front pylon pass as you could have imagined. Dropped it right in on Robbie Washington, who had great – the DB was covering him perfectly, literally. But obviously there's no defense for a perfect pass. And Rashada, when it comes to the timing, the trajectory of the football, again, especially intermediate to deep – it's as pretty as it gets in the class of 2023. So we're splitting hairs with these two, but but that's the process, right? We're going to be splitting those hairs um, with all these top quarterbacks uh, in the weeks and months uh, to come. So you could really make the case for either guy. I, I think short term, I'd probably go Arch Manning experience, a little bit more physically filled out, ready to go right now. I think long term, though, you could really build that argument for Jaden Rashada. I think he's got a bigger arm. I think he's got a more fluid release. 
uh, uh, technically, he's a little bit more sound to me than Arch Manning uh, in his upper body. Arch a little bit more developed in the lower body, maybe better footwork and consistency in that regard. So it is incredibly close between these two. But in terms of that arrow pointing up and their best football either ahead or well ahead, I think Rashada gets into that well ahead category. And, and he's a guy who you could see being, you know, the number one pick in the draft one day, which is, uh, of course, where most people project Arch Manning to eventually uh, wind up down the line. So it's it's really close, but you know, whoever gets either of these guys is getting some some pretty good uh, pretty good quarterbacking, and uh, most likely, it seems like they're going to play against each other one day uh, in the SEC. It's summertime. I got vacation in like four days. Like I'm I'm deuces. I'm gone. And the way that I've been getting this this summer bod ready, um, it ain't yet, but it's it's getting there. It's getting there for sure. Uh, is Built Bar because I've got a hardcore sweet tooth. I'm very open about that. But Built Bar's coated in 100% chocolate. Most bars have 130 calories and just net carbs, along with 17 grams of protein. And the Mud Pie, oh, oh my lord, the Mud Pie Built Bar is phenomenal. I can't even describe it's it's phenomenal it's amazing it, it i i said that the cake batter one was slap your mama good oh but mud pie is slap your whole family good i promise you best built bar i've ever had you could just go just go do it don't miss out i promise you you won't regret it built bar is always coming out with new limited time flavors hello mud pie just you'll never get bored use promo code locked 15 get 15 percent off of your next order with built or builtbar.com and we keep talking about, you know, I read this incessantly with Arch Manning of he can bring in these other recruits, you know, linemen are going to want to play with him. Receivers are going to want to play with him. Defensive players might even be like, hey, like he's in a quarterback, a winning team. I want to be with him. And we've seen Jaden Rashada's rankings, depending on where you look, kind of fluctuate recently. Is Jaden Rashada still that same type of recruit and that same type of player where we'll see receivers, offensive linemen, and defensive players go, I want to be on his team and I want to play with him. Yeah, you know, we talked to the receivers that he plays with uh, on the Miami Immortals 7-on-17, seven which are national names, right? Robbie Washington, Jalen Brown, uh, et cetera. And, and they just say that the ball comes out at a different pace with him. They like his personality and leadership a lot too. So it's not just a, a purely tangible, hey, this guy can get me the football really well. His personality, uh, his intellect, his articulation, I think, is is really strong. He's a social kid. He's outgoing. Uh, the type of dynamic peer-to-peer recruiter, uh, recruiter traits, I should say, uh, that a lot of great quarterbacks seem to have. And, and he's a well-traveled kid, right? We've talked about all these visits he's been on. He, he, he came off three officials, flew to California, and then flew right back down to Vegas to compete at a national seven-on-seven tournament. There was a lot of respect shown towards him for doing that, especially days away from a verbal commitment. Not a lot of kids might have, you know, taken on such a grueling and, and de- you know, demanding schedule. So I think there's a respect factor with Rashada as well. And and he's a California kid too, right? So obviously West Coast recruits are, are going to be higher on him. You know, Jurion Dickey followed his lead and, and is now playing with the Miami Immortals, even though he's from California, just like Rashada. So there's a group of pass catchers in particular that really like this guy and, and you spend a little bit of time with him and you understand why he's, he's got that, that captivating demeanor and a, a heck of a talent to go along with it, that people resonate and realize with quickly. And then they want to kind of be a part of it down the line. Yeah. And 
I mean, you, you mentioned, you know, Jaden Rashad, he took the three visits and he flew home and then he went to Nevada to participate. In, and, and something that people have kind of held against Arch that I want to know if you feel the same way or if you care or put any stock in it, that Arch, uh, as, as some Florida fans put it, has been avoiding these camps. <laughs> is Is that the same kind of feel that evaluators get for him or is it just you know, this kid, like, we know he's working out. He's a Manning. We know that he's developing with his family. Right. Look, this is this is a unique case, right? There's really no other way to put it. You know, his coaches, everybody wants him to be treated like a normal kid, but you really can't. You know, you can't put him in the same box as some of these other guys. Now, that said, our job is to rank the best players, and every time we see these great players, particularly when they compete against other great players – is a stronger data point. It just shows us more, you know, man versus man. Hey, th- this is what they did against one another. And we got to see that last weekend. We saw Jaden versus Nico. We saw Nico versus Malachi, Jaden versus Malachi, Dante Moore against all these guys. We got to see from moment to moment, great quarterbacks against great quarterbacks. And we'll see it again in two weeks at the Elite 11, another event that Arch Manning will not be participating in barring a surprise. So, yeah, you know, there is a little bit of not only recency bias because we are human beings, but also, you know, just that lack of data from Arch Manning. It is all about Friday nights and private quarterback camping for him. Nothing wrong with it, but I do think when it comes down to splitting hairs like we have to do in this class of 2023 that is so darn good, the best I've seen in five years, we're going to have to use all those data points. So I, I don't hold it against Arch. But I do think in the final evaluation, that could be one of the things that comes up to maybe peg them down a notch or two. But, you know, time will tell. You know, there there really hasn't been an elite quarterback that hasn't gone through the process with with a true national kind of exposure. But Arch Manning is going to do it. So he'll be kind of the first to really go against the grain. You really can't name an All-American Heisman type of quarterback who didn't go to the Elite 11, even a regional camp, not not the national, even a regional camp, there, there's no Arch Manning there. Um, there's no seven-on-seven seven for him. Uh, there's no other camps where we could verify his athleticism, you know, compared to others. Again, it's not just about the arm and the height and all that, but how about the 40-time? How about that that shuttle, that short shuttle? Arch, you know, has a speed trainer. How How well is that going? You know, those are things that we won't tangibly get that said, again, it is still mostly about Friday nights. It's about production. It's about winning. And, and that's where Arch, you know, can hold his resume up to just about anyone else's in this class. And, and that is where the evaluation begins. But there's a lot of time in between, you know, December and August, you know, when we get to see Manning truly all out against great competition. So in those months, in theory, a lot of other prospects have begun to catch up. And, and Jaden Rashad is absolutely one of those. Yeah, and now one last thing about the quarterbacks, and I apologize again because it's Jaden Rashad and Arch Manning once more, but um, <laughs> we've talked about them as parallels, and you mentioned they they seem destined to at one point clash in the SEC, and if Florida misses out on Jaden Rashad, wherever he might go, is there a chance, in your opinion, that the Manning camp kind of takes it uh, – not personally, but we, we've seen it with the Browns right now with Baker Mayfield and Deshaun Watson. They're going through stuff and Baker's like, well, oh, well, like you're on your own there. And Matt Ryan got traded from the Falcons. And is there a chance that if Jaden Rashada doesn't come to Florida, Florida's kind of 
hurt their chances with Arch because of the way they pursued Jaden Rashada? You know, I don't think so. Just like we we say Arch's unique recruit, his camp, his family, his high school coach, who I've sat down with, they're unique too. They've all been through this in pretty, pretty much every way, shape, or form. So they first and foremost understand that it's a business and they understand that perceptionally Florida has been on the outside looking in for Arch Manning. And that is still true today, right? He's taking his final official to Texas. We do start to hear a little bit of scuttlebutt about a Florida unofficial, like we talked about a month or so ago. You know, that's something with, with the longstanding relationship between the Mannings and Billy Napier and company dating back to his time at, at Louisiana. There is a relationship and, and, and something cultivated there that has piqued interest to a degree enough for a visit. Uh, but it hasn't been planned yet. It hasn't been scheduled yet as far as we know. But it is still potentially on the docket. So Rashad is coming off the board Saturday, we think. So if he does not pick Florida, and, and heck, even if he does, I don't see Florida saying, hey, don't worry about taking that trip to Gainesville. We're, we're all good. And, and and the Manning camp, I do believe, will follow through because they, they, there's a lot said about them, but they have followed through on every visit, on everything they have planned with college coaches. And, and again, that's really where – their focus has been. It has been developing relationships with Kirby Smart and Steve Sarkeesian and Nick Saban, even though they already have a quarterback verbally committed and, and want to take two, he still went on that visit over the weekend. So I do think that if they do lock in a date for a UF trip, I do believe the Mannings will take it regardless of, of Jaden Rashada's decision. Um, even if he's not off the board yet, I think they'll follow through if they actually lock in the plan. So I do think that there's still a shot, a, a small shot, a, a puncher's chance, whatever we want to call it. There's still a chance that Manning gets gets down to Gainesville. And, and you get to that point and, and you feel good. You know, that's certainly the next the hurdle, the next step that the man that the Florida fans need to look at with Arch Manning. Can you get him on campus? If not, you're obviously out. If so, you start to step into the ball game, even if it's uh, at a small reserve role player type level, you are in the game. Uh, and then from that point, anything can happen. And then flipping over to defense, we're done with quarterback talk now. We can talk about other things. Uh, but A.J. Harris is set to visit the Florida Gators. And where do you stand on his skill set, his recruitment? And he's one of those players who, again, no commitment date set. So it's not like I'm mentioning Jaden Rashada again, where we go in a couple of days, he's committing, hopefully. But what's up with A.J. <laughs> yeah, he's still navigating, still taking really important official visits at this point. He was a kid who... Has been a big-time recruit for a really long time. Uh, had a lot of offers early on at, at his high school career. Uh, and I think last fall, before the myriad of coaching changes we saw in college football, I think he was getting close. I think Ohio State was was really kind of zeroing in on this kid, and, and, and the Harris camp was reciprocating that interest. Uh, they had some coaching changes with their you know defensive staff, and then the whole world had coaching changes in college football. So that family, that camp took a true step back, just just like the Mannings did. A true step back. Hey, sit back, let the dust settle, and then let's re reestablish where, where things stand. And I think since that point, Ohio State has faded, and the schools closer to, to central Phoenix City have started to pop up a little bit more, right? Um, you know, Alabama, Georgia, Clemson, Florida, those four in particular, at different points have held buzz. And Florida, especially with Corey Raymond, you know, on that coaching staff, has really, you know, been consistent in that buzz department. Uh, he's going to take the official visit, as you mentioned. So that's certainly the next logical step. 
for UF to potentially, you know, start to, if, if they are number one, start to create separation. And if they aren't number one, start to erase uh, that gap internally uh, for A.J. Harris. Uh, we've heard, again, Florida has been consistent with, with the buzz there. We've heard up and down buzz with Alabama, Georgia, and Clemson. Now, he did visit Georgia officially, and, and things reportedly went well in Athens. Uh, why wouldn't they? They're coming off of a national championship. Uh, so we do think that he's starting to, to narrow it down. And I think those four schools, uh, again, Florida, Georgia, Alabama, Clemson, I think those four schools are in the best position right now. And that's a far cry from, from six to eight months ago when we were like, it's probably Ohio State, maybe a sprinkle of Clemson on there. But, you know, even Clemson underwent changes. Uh, coaching staffs at Georgia uh, underwent changes. Uh, they lost their DB coach. Obviously, Florida, a whole overhaul on the coaching staff. So those those moves really shook things up and provided as, as a bit of a reset for Harris. But it does feel like those four schools are in the best position as we currently sit. And there's also an edge visiting Florida and Keldrick Falk. What are your thoughts on his skill set and recruitment so far? Yeah, extremely long and lean prospect, basketball player, tight end uh, from Highland Home, Alabama. He's done a little bit of everything, but we all kind of see him on, on the defensive side of the ball. Probably an edge rusher, but again, 6'5 and lanky, so you could see him adding on weight in an SEC weight room. And, and right now it's looking like you know these are the schools that are in it, Florida, uh, Auburn, which just hosted him for an official visit. That's, that's obviously the school uh, in-state. It, it's actually only like 25 minutes away uh, from Auburn. Uh, so having just visited there, you would imagine that the Tigers got to feel pretty good uh, about where they stand. But he did not commit. He's still on the board. So I do think that the door remains open uh, for Florida, for Clemson, for some of these other schools, Florida State, uh, that are in the mix uh, for Keldrick Falk. Uh, so there's certainly room to to improve uh, from the Gator standpoint, so I think the timing of, of a visit down to Gainesville is good here. Uh, and look, I've, I've said this on the show, the Gators are going to get someone elite from Alabama. You know, th this D-line class in particular up in the Yellowhammer State is really strong. We know a lot of these coaches on the UF staff have experience recruiting really the entire SEC footprint. So they're going to splash in Alabama, uh, just like they did last year, right? At the end of, of Billy Napier's, or at the beginning of Billy Napier's tenure, the end of his first signing day, you know, bringing in Shamar James from Mobile was, was a huge get uh, for that coaching staff. Uh, and that was truly head-to-head -head with Alabama and Georgia for a kid they wanted. I mean, if there's a better individual recruit to focus on as a Gator fan relative to the potential of the coaching staff, that's the guy, you know, Shamar James. So I do think that, there will be more victories in the state of Alabama, and this 23 class in Alabama is loaded. Keldrick Falk, uh, Kelby Collins, Peter Woods just dropped his top group with Florida, still in that race. Tamarian Parker, a teammate of A.J. Harris, is at Central Phoenix City. There is a load of D-line talent in Alabama, and, and Saban can't grab them all. I mean, it's really simple mathematics once you get to a certain point. Uh, so Florida will splash with one of these guys. I'm not sure which one. I think they've made a move with, with Collins in particular, uh, and they got their opportunity this weekend with Falk. Uh, so that's a, a heck of a starting point because those are two big-time SEC-type D-linemen. Yeah, and, and we've had this conversation before about Patrick Tony and his defense and what he can do, and, and Florida's got Sean Spencer as well as co-defensive coordinator. But uh, with Kendrick Falk and, and other edge rushers or defensive linemen, what, if it plays in at all, what effect does it maybe have that Patrick Tony is like, you know what, we're going to drop our edge rushers back into coverage 
fairly often. Are there, are there players that generally are just like, well, I want to rush the passer. Like that's where money is, or I want to do whatever I can to win. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's players that lie in both camps and most of them are probably a blur between the two philosophies. So I do think with the NFL in mind, it's, it's simple, right? The more you can do, the more value you have, the more value you have, the higher you'll go in the NFL draft. So I do think there is a sell there for, for Tony and that defensive coaching staff uh, relative to the league. Uh, but yeah, there's certainly pass rushers that are like, hey, I'm a pass rusher and that's it. Like, I don't want to set the edge. I don't want to take on blockers and, and, and cover the run. I definitely don't want to cover anyone out of the backfield or a tight end or play zone. I am a pass rusher. And, and those are few and far between. Uh, guys who, you know, maybe live more on YouTube than the conventional film room because, you know, even the, the best pass rushers have to play the run and set the edge and, and do all of those things. So, you know, I do think that that exists, of course. You know, I think there's a, a diva quality for every position group that you can line up. And that's certainly, to me, the pass rusher group, that the diva quality is that. I'm a specialist. Like, no, specialists are kickers, right? And nobody else is really a specialist. Uh, in football. So I do think that, you know, the overarching group uh, and the majority will certainly be open to dropping into coverage. And, and that might be something that is not a part of their skill set right now that intrigues them about a school like Florida, right? Like, hey, a lot of kids get the love and the hype at schools uh, on these visits, right? Oh, you, you're so good at this. Da, da, da. You know what big time recruits tell me? They love when coaches tell them what they're not good at yet or where they really need to improve. Hey, you're a great pass rusher, but man, you cannot move your hips and drop for the life of you. So now you can sell that as let me help you round out your game and maximize your value, not only to help us win games, but if, if you're good enough to play in the league, that's one less thing that they can pluck away at you uh, when it comes to NFL draft season. So there, there is always a sell in recruiting, no matter how you look at it, but there is a large group of elite and competitive players, which I would say is the majority that SEC schools are looking for that really want that honest and real uh, opinion of their game as opposed to just a, uh, a retweet and a love fest uh, between you know the coaches and, and their future players. Thanks for making Lockdown Gators your first listen of the day every day. We are available daily and free wherever you listen to the podcast. So we'll be back tomorrow with more on your Florida Gators. Now make your second listen, the Lockdown NBA Big Board Podcast. Raphael Barlow, Richard Stamen, Sam Ferris, and Leif Thulin give fans an in-depth look into the biggest prospects, the latest player rankings, and of course, big boards. For Lockdown Gators, I'm Brandon Olson. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon. Find my written work with Whole9Sports and GiantsCountryVestSide.com, and I will see you all tomorrow.